morning again. Um, thank you, Amparo. Sorry, Amparo beat you. She got the brownie points today. That's good. Yeah. You bring the mix and make them, you can have all you want. Just leave some. Well, I, hey, I'm excited uh, again as we are just marching towards Easter. Um, as I said last week, I, I love this time of year. Um, um, again, I'm, I'm on a campaign that I, I think the symbol of our faith should be an empty tomb, not a cross. Um, the cross paid the cross paid the price. Um, the tomb is what gives us hope that it's empty, that Jesus Christ is alive. And not even death could hold him down. But as we move towards this, um, we are taking a look at his last words. And so as brief as they are, and probably the smallest little statements that he made, I think they're some of the most powerful words um, that changed everything. Um, It it took the fact that um, he wasn't a man that just, you know, you heard the say, walk to walk and talk to talk. He was a man that walked his talk and talked his walk all the way to the very, very end. And so this morning... um, we are continue on, and we are looking at um, one of the uh, most powerful statements that he said up on the cross. Um, one statement that changed everything. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 23 um, with me, please. And as always, um, again, these are the only words that matter. Um, I, I, I love that I get the opportunity to open these words, and, and I take it very seriously as I'm studying and everything. And I'm overwhelmed and overcome by just the power of these words, um, so much better than mine. They're always better than mine, and they're the only ones that matter this morning. And it's the only authority that any of us have to gather this morning. It's the only authority we have for me to speak, for us to gather as a church. And so out of, out of acknowledgement of that, I'm going to ask if you would just stand with me in Luke chapter 23. Starting at verse 32, Luke writes this, he says, Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots, lots to divide his garments. You pray for me? God, I thank you um, this morning. I thank you for your words. God, I am humbled this morning. I, I, don't, I don't have the words. There is no way I can describe, Lord, what you went through. All I can do is live out the evidence in my life. And so, God, I just ask this morning that you would speak, Lord, that that your words once again would resonate in our hearts and in our lives, God, that they would pierce all the way down, God, that you would reveal areas that we need to let go of and give to you, God, that you would confirm our faith this morning, that you would confirm our trust, and God, most of all, that you would change us. God, let these words be your words, not mine. And Father, I ask, I ask for ears to hear, for hearts that are able to respond, uh, and for the courage to live it out every single day. So Father, whatever needs to happen this morning, let it happen. Whatever needs to be said, let it be said. 
God, may you do a work in such a way that you're the only one that can get credit. May you get all the glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. That's a pretty powerful statement. Father, forgive them. When you think about what's happening at this moment, when you think of everything that he's gone through, and all that it's going in, again, in just verse 34, in the midst of this, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, if you think about just the humiliation that he had gone through, the betrayal of his friends, the denial of his friends, the, the beating, the scourging, the, the lies, that, and all of it. And yet in the midst of that, hanging on a cross, beaten, bloody, nailed, he could still in his heart say, Father, forgive them. That's amazing to me. That, that just that blows my mind completely. And, and, it, and it literally changed everything for us. For those of us that say, man, I follow Jesus, I go to church, I'm a Christian, it changes everything from what was in the past and what was now to be and how we're supposed to respond and how we're supposed to act. It changes everything. Because like I said at the very beginning, Jesus was a person that not only walked his talk, but he talked his walk. He lived it out to the very end of it. And I've got to think that at that moment when, when... the people standing there heard him say that they're like, what are you talking about? How could you forgive? How can you, how can you be nice right now? Look, look what they've done. And, and that's why, because it, before Christ, before Christ, there, there, was, there was a different mindset. Before you and I know Christ, there's a different mindset. I always tell you that I, I believe with all my heart that if you, if you come to Christ, if you ask him into your life, if you become a follower of him, there should be a difference in the way you live. There should be a difference in the way you act. There should be a difference in the way you respond and, and how you see things. It should change us. And it's so frustrating to me, and I think there's so many, that there are so many people that say, I love Jesus and I, and I follow Jesus, but they don't look anything like him. And I think this is one of the areas, the area of forgiveness is the area that shows it the most. Because before Christ, it was very simple. It's like, you owe me. Somebody does something wrong to you, you owe me. Justice is mine. You know, have you ever felt that way? Somebody's been wrong. I guarantee everybody in this room at some point has been wronged by somebody else. And at that moment, no, I'm owed. I'm owed this. In fact, that's what it was in the Old Testament. Jesus Jesus spoke about this in Matthew 5, 38. He says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's what was laid down in Levitical law. You know, you stole a goat, you give me a goat. You murder somebody, you're going to die. You did this, you did that. There There was like justice for all of that. And I think that carries over in the way we deal with people in our lives. You hurt me. So it's okay if I hurt you. You wronged me. We got we to gotta get the balance straight. But by saying that, by Jesus actually leaving it on that cross, it changed everything for that. 
It changes everything, how we approach forgiveness, how we pr- approach life and stuff. And, and so it, it's now it's like God forgave me, so I'll forgive you. I mean, just think about that for a moment. If, if we truly understand how much God has forgiven us, and I can't speak for you, I can speak for me, and I know how much God has forgiven me. How can I not be a forgiving person? In fact, that word forgive, it just simply means to pardon, to actually cancel the debt. And unfortunately, there's too many people that I think are going through life today that are holding on to debts that may never get paid. Hurts that may never get healed correctly until we start letting them go. When Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, 12, he even added this. He said, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And and, and we're going to get into this morning, but there's something about the idea of being forgiven and giving forgiveness. There's there's something about us inside of us that if we are unable to forgive, then we are unable to experience forgiveness fully. And I feel like there are so many of us trapped in this. That there are so many of us that that um, something bad, something horrible has happened to, and we've just kind of held on. Maybe maybe we're not outwardly going against someone. Maybe we're not trying to pay them back, or like, okay, I'm going to go like kill their lawn and spray like insecticide or pesticide all over their stuff, and I'm I'm going to kill their dog or cat. Where there are people like that. I've known people like that. Well, you got me mad, so I'm going to poison your dog. You know, I mean, just just the bitterness and the anger and stuff that we see in our culture today. I mean, I think there's a reason that our country is so divided, and I think most of it is unforgiveness. But Jesus changed everything with that. And so so how do we do that? How, How do we. Get to forgiveness. Long before Jesus ever said it on the cross, he taught it in his teaching. Turn over to Matthew 18 with me. This morning, we're going to sit here, and this is probably, this is a parable that you've probably heard. You know what a parable is. Parable is all it is, is a story with a meaning. And and Jesus spoke in these all the time, and he told these stories and everything. And I love that Jesus was the greatest storyteller ever to walk this planet. But he tells this story to give us kind of this lesson and this idea. So in Matthew 18, starting at verse 23, he says this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. By the way, today that is millions and millions of dollars. Some people say even today that could probably be almost a billion dollars. And so when he began to study, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay his master, it ordered him to be sold with his wife and children all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. I want you to just get this picture. 
I, I, I want you to get this picture, this idea. This guy owed way more than he could ever, ever repay. And in that culture and in that time, the law was very simple. If you couldn't pay your debt, you went into debtor's prison. And you would stay there until you paid off your debt, which I never really understood. It's like, how can you not pay it if, you, if you're in prison and you're working and stuff? But literally, they would, just t- they would sell everyone into slavery until the debt could be paid. And so millions and millions of dollars, he comes up. And the master's like, I, I need my money. He had every right to it. He was just selling his accounts. You know, this is why so many times we teach, like Dave Ramsey, if you can stay out of debt, stay out of debt. You know, whenever you have debt, you have a master. (laughs) You're a master to your debt, whoever owns that debt. Which is interesting to think about as we get into this, how much Christ paid for us and how much he should be our master. And how much we owe him, but 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 it, but it's it, it's this picture. This guy, him, and he owes everything. And the truth is, is sometimes our debtors can't repay us. Sometimes somebody does something they don't even know they've done it, and they they can't repay us, or they've done something that hurt us so bad that they can't repay us. Look at verse twenty four and twenty five again. When he began to settle, he found this guy owed him ten thousand talents, millions of dollars, and since he could not pay. His master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. And, and so the fact is, is there are people that are going to offend you. There are people that are going to hurt you. There are people going to do it that cannot repay that debt to you. Maybe it's been so long gone. Maybe they're not even around anymore. Maybe they, they didn't have it or it was so personal to you that they can't pay the debt. But the opposite is true also. The offended can always show mercy. The debtor may not be able to pay his debt, but if I'm offended, I can still show mercy. You know, you know think about the debtor can't pay debt. I was thinking about the story, and this is very personal to me. Um, when, when I was a young boy, when I was two or three years old, my father left. One, I didn't find out until I was 13 years old. I, I, I remember going to my mom and looking at her one day and saying, I was like, 12, 13 years old, and I said, Mom, why are there no baby pictures of me and Dad? She's like, well, I thought you knew. See, here's what happened. Your father, he was abusive. It was hard. He left. And when I remarried your daddy, who is my daddy, raised you, adopted you, gave you his name and all this stuff. But man, at 12 or 13, I just started sitting there going, I started asking those questions. Why? What happened? What's going on? And, and then the next phase is like, well, well, what did I do? I was the youngest, so it must have been my fault. Did I do something? And then it moved to just anger. Like, no, he's just a horrible person. He's just a terrible person. I, I don't know who this guy is. I don't want to know who he is. He's just a terrible person. I had no idea who he was. I had no idea where he lived. There was no way that he could ever repay that debt to me. And so that festers in there. And nobody told me back then that even though he can't pay the debt, that I could always show mercy. But it's hard, isn't it? When when somebody hurts you deep, when somebody hurts your family, someone does something, it's hard. And so I grew up with this idea like, I don't want to know this guy. 
I, I, I don't want to know. And, and, and that unforgiveness festers. That unforgiveness kind of grows inside of you. In fact, there, 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 is, <clears throat> there are consequences of unforgiveness in our lives. There are consequences that, that we have to deal with. And stuff because what what happens it, it just it like springs roots and it starts affecting e- everything. Go down to Matthew uh, eighteen thirty two. So here's this guy. He's been he's been um, freed of this millions and millions millions of dollars of debt that he cannot pay. There's no way that he can pay. And the, and the king comes out and he has mercy on him. By the way, just just so we're tracking, everyone knows who the king is in the story. Yes. In the story, who does he represent? I just want to make sure you're with me. Huh? God? Jesus? That work? I mean, those, it's church. Those answers always work. You remember Sunday school? No matter if you didn't know the answer, it was Jesus, Paul, or God. This isn't Paul. Okay? So, so he's talking about God. But here's this guy, man. He, he, had, he had been just freed of this amazing debt. And yet, just a little while later, he goes around and he finds somebody that owes him money. Look at verse 32. Oh, let, let's back up again. Look at verse 28. He says, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. That's like maybe $1,000. And seized him, and he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I'll pay you. And he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Here's a guy that owed everything that there's no way that he was ever going to pay. And another guy that owes just a little tiny bit. And he literally grabs him by the throat. And chokes him and shakes him and says, no, I'm putting you in prison. There's no way. And then in verse 32, then his master finds out. And then verse 32, then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That sounds really, really harsh, doesn't it? But, but the truth is, is this, this one servant that owed so much Got forgiveness, but never experienced forgiveness because he couldn't give forgiveness. Think about that. Let me say that again. The servant that owed so much got forgiveness, but never experienced the forgiveness because he couldn't give forgiveness. He threw him in prison. And the truth is, is that unforgiveness in our lives puts us in prison. It's a big deal to God. God who has forgiven over and over again. His mercies are new every day. That it just over and over we come to him like, oh, I messed up. Or, or the Israelites messed up. How many times did God just come back and say, okay, all right, you repented. Let, let's move forward. It's good. It's good. But this guy, he couldn't. And, and so literally unforgiveness will put you and I in a prison. If there is someone in your life that has done something that you are holding on to, then you are trapped. You're in a prison and you will not be able to get out of that prison. I, I remember the story of my dad. 
Man, as a kid, I grew up just angry. You know, I was a teenager, didn't really think about it much, but there was still just kind of festering there. And I remember when we got, I got married finally, and my beautiful wife would start asking me questions like, well, what's the story for your real dad? I'm like, I don't know. We don't talk about that. We're a southern family. Our skeletons stay in our closet. We don't talk about our dirty laundry, okay? We just, we just put on a nice suit and show up to church and smile, you know? We didn't do that. That's the south. You know, it's all about outward appearance. We do that. But my wife is stubborn. I love her. <laughs> and so a little later, she's like, oh, stubborn. She would ask again, what's, what's the deal with your dad? What, what's the deal with your dad? What's the deal with dad? And it just started, it just started eating me to the point that we got into arguments, just drag out arguments. I'm like, I'm not talking about this. I don't want to talk about this. He messed up. If he wanted, he would find me. He doesn't want to do it, so just forget him. Forget this. I'm not doing this. And it just got worse and worse in that anger. See, see, that's what happens when we don't forgive. See, we think unforgiveness is just between us and that person, but unforgiveness starts affecting every relationship that you have. That's what sin does. It, it, it attacks everything and destroys everything that's close to you and dear to you. And, and it was ruining, it was ruining my relationship. And it was hard, and I didn't want to talk about it. And I never realized it until much, much later. Said, "Man, I was, I was trapped." And I was in ministry at the time. I was still living in youth groups and all this stuff. And, and I, I think today, said, how could I stand before kids and talk about God's love and God's grace and God's mercy and not actually live it and not actually, not actually give it? See, there are consequences for unforgiveness, and I think there are so many people, so many people holding on to stuff right now and it is affecting it and, and it, it, it affects our, our relationship with God it affects our relationship with everything and we get frustrated in our faith and like why isn't God more real to me why am I not growing in that that could be it I, I think that's one of the biggest reasons in our culture now you know that, that's what we're taught you know my, my dad always said son if you get in a fight um, I don't like you to be in fights don't even fight but if you get in a fight you finish the fight <laughs> You know, he was a good old West Virginia hillbilly. He, he was good, and he was just like, nope, you get in a fight, come home bloody, or that guy better look worse. What, what you get, you give, you know, what, what's owed to you. And, I mean, that's just instilled in us, you know. I think that's why so many people, honestly, I think that's why so many people cheat on their taxes. They're like, well, they're not really good with my money, so why should I give them any more? That's why we, we fudge on different things. Well, that person's really not really worth this stuff, so I, I'm not going to do it. And, and we go in kind of half-heartedly. Can I tell you something? There's nothing in the Christian faith that can ever be done half-heartedly. God wants it all. You know? I, I, I used to tell students, and I think about this, I played football growing up, and and stuff, and I'd have that crazy football coach that would yell at me, I want 110% from you every single day, 110%. And I was that smart mouth kid that says, that's mathematically impossible. So I can only give you 100%. I can't give you more than what I don't have, and then I would run laps until I threw up. And, and I, think, I think sometimes we look at God as he's like some football coach asking us to give. No, God, all he, all he asks for is 100%. 
but I really believe God won't accept anything less. It's all. In every interaction, in every way we live, it's how, it's how we do this. And so when we don't do things God's way, there are consequences. I say this over and over again. We can do it our way, and it will lead to prison every time. We can do it to God's way, and it will lead to freedom every single time. And I'm telling you, if there is somebody that has wronged you, if there is someone that has hurt you, if you haven't let it go, they still have all the power over you. There are consequences for unforgiveness. But, but, but what happens when the offense seems too big? When they don't even care that they hurt you. When they don't even care, like it just doesn't bother them all. They don't think. What what happens when it seems too big? Well, I just want to ask you one thing: How big was your offense? How big was my offense against Jesus? It wasn't for political purposes that Jesus died. It wasn't for like to calm a crowd. It was because of my sin. And so when we think that offense is too big, I just want you to remember one thing. Jesus' love is bigger than any offense. When he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was being honest. They had no idea what they were doing. They had no clue what they were doing. And yet in the midst of that, in that horrible atrocity, Jesus could still say, Father, forgive them because his love is bigger. Do you, do you understand that in your life this morning, that God's love, Jesus' love for you is so big that you will never be able to fully comprehend and fully understand it? And there is nothing you have ever done to make him love you less. There's nothing you can ever do to make him love you more, that you are already perfect in, in every sense. So you are perfectly loved by him. And that love is bigger than anything we've ever done. Man, that's encouragement to me this morning. Because I know what I've done in my life. I know the things that I've said. I know the things I've thought and everything. And I know the fact. And my God, my Bible says that when God, when I come to him and say, Lord, I have sinned against you. I am sorry. I repent of that. Come, change that, take it away. My Bible says that he takes that sin and throws it as far east as east is and as far west as west is. And I love that picture because here's the idea that if you and I start walking east, you will always forever continue to walk east. If you walk west, you will always for, forever continue to walk west. But if you start walking north, eventually you're going to walk south. And then you're going to walk north again. And then you're going to walk south. But east, always. That means it's gone. There is no offense. There's nothing I've ever done, ever said, ever thought that can't be forgiven. There's nothing on this planet that is not redeemable by the love of Christ. And if I can be forgiven that much, what can anybody else do that can't be forgiven in my life? That's, that's the big deal. Matthew 18, 33. The master looks at him and he says, And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Should you not have forgiven the way you have been forgiven? Do 
Jesus put it earlier in Matthew 6, 14, 15. He says, listen, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Listen, I, I, I believe what, what that verse is saying is that if I am unable to forgive, if I am unable to let go, I will never experience the forgiveness that God has for me. I can't even begin to comprehend it. I can't begin to understand it or to experience it in any way. It is such a big deal and it is such a trap in our world today. And Jesus modeled it. He talked about it and then he lived it out while hanging on a cross. How can you and I not forgive? We, we, we have to choose forgiveness. Listen, and I know, I know it's hard. And I, I got in fights with my wife. And, and I remember we were living in Germany, and I think we just had another fight about it. And I was mad, and she's like, well, I'm going out with the kids. And so, so she left and everything. I was in our little apartment all alone, and I was sitting there going, God, I just can't take this anymore. I just, this is crazy. Why is this affecting me so much? And God, in his gentle, amazing voice, met me right where I at. Don't you love that? God will meet you right where you're at all the time. That God meets you in, in your sin. God meets you in your heartache. God meets you. But he loves you enough not to leave you there. And so he met me right there. And, and I remember, I remember, man, I went out of our doors. And if you've ever been to Germany or lived in Germany, you will understand that they don't have doorknobs on the, in, on the outside of the house. <laughs> so I went outside, the door closed, and there, I didn't have my keys, and there was no way back in. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, this is great. And God's like, I just need to get your way for a moment. Look at what it's doing. Look at what it's doing. It's affecting everything. How much have I forgiven you? And I heard that in my heart all the, the entire time. How much have I forgiven you? And finally, finally, I just, in, in tears, I just broke down and says, God, all right, you're right. You're right. I don't know if I'll ever see this man. I don't know if I'll ever know him, if I'll ever meet him. But I forgive. I, I just let it go. That moment, my cat came up and jumped and hanging on the handle, and the door opened. I was like, okay, that's confirmation. <laughs> and, and I walked in, and for the first time since I was 13 years old, it felt like this just boulders were taken off of my shoulders. See, here's the problem I think most of us have. We think we need somebody to say, I'm sorry, before we forgive them. You don't have to wait for that. See, forgiveness is, is your deal. It's, it's been shown through mental health things that forgiveness leads to a happier life, healthier life, and all that stuff. Unforgiveness leads to ulcers, leads to high blood pressure, leads to heart attacks. It is unhealthy for us. And the fact is, is you don't need anybody to ever say, I'm sorry to you. But you can have the freedom and the power to say, I forgive. We can do that. We can choose that. And when we do that, it brings freedom to our lives. But honestly, to do that, the only way you're capable of doing that is through Christ. Because everything is possible through Christ. 
No matter what the hurt is, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what the person has said or, or any of that stuff, it doesn't matter. You can say, Jesus, through your spirit, through your power, I forgive. And in the moment we do that, we find freedom. See, if you're going to be a Christ follower, you've got to look more like Jesus. Which means when the world is crucifying you, you have to be able to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know. And when you choose forgiveness, there's no limit to what God can do with your life. See, I think so often we limit God's power, God's plan and purpose in our life through unforgiveness. And, and I, I, I imagine, I can almost bet that in this room, there's some deep, deep hurts from years ago, maybe from childhood. Deep, deep hurts. But today, you can say, I, I forgive. Today, you can gain freedom. It's what I always used to tell my daughters. I was like, listen, it is, people are going to treat you the way they're going to treat you. The only thing I care about is how you respond. That's the only thing. That's what, I think that's what God says. It, it's how we respond. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the indwelling of that spirit and the power of Christ, the one that raised him from the dead, that same power, when it fills us, we're able to look at anybody, anything, any situation and say, my God is bigger. I forgive. I can let go. But until you get to that point, I promise you, you will struggle in prison the entire time. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, said this. He said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Whenever you have a sense that I can't forgive, I can't, I can't let go, remember what's been forgiven you. I, I remember at the end of that moment when I forgave, just the flood of emotion that came through me. The moment I let it go, the, the flood that just kind of flew me and just the thought over is like, how much have I been forgiven? How dare me all these years not to be for, not to forgive? Let it go. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> but let it go. Whatever's happening. And listen. It's, I, I just want to say, listen, if the church has offended you, which so many it has, I just want to apologize for the church. Because this is the last place that you should have been hurt or offended. You should be challenged. Not, well, some offense is good. If someone else has hurt you, I'm, I'm sorry. And they may never apologize to you, but you can gain freedom today if you let it go and say, I forgive. That's what Jesus did. Just imagine for a moment on that cross the brutality he is going through and the heart that said, Father, forgive them. By the way, when he was saying that, it was you and I that put him there. It wasn't the Romans. It wasn't the Jewish high priest. It was our sin. That's why the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, 
when we were still God's enemy, Christ died for us. And in the midst of that, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know. But one day they will. Whatever's happening in your life, I just I challenge you and I encourage you, let it go. Give forgiveness and then experience what it truly means to be forgiven. And see what God does with you now. I don't know where you're at. And like I said, there may be some deep, deep hurts this morning. And I know it's not easy. Honestly, I, I personally, I know it's not easy. But we want to give you a chance to let it go. We're going to give you a chance to respond to this. And maybe that's just sitting there, just thinking about like, okay, God, I'm forgiven. Maybe you've tried before, like I forgave. By the way, forgiveness means that you don't bring it up again also. So many times like, well, I forgave them. Then stop bringing it up because then you haven't forgiven them. Maybe this morning for the first time you truly, truly just let it go. Throw it as far as east is from east and as far as west is from west and let it go and experience that freedom. If you can do that right here sitting, you can do that while you're singing, you can go to a prayer area, whatever God is doing, let God have his work this morning. Let us be different. Let us not be like the world that says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Let us be a people of grace because we are a people of grace. And see what God does with that. Let's pray.